Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Welcome to the playoffs. TCU versus Michigan, Georgia versus Ohio State. Stetson Bennett goes for back-to-back national championships, and you can be ready for all the action with BetOnline Sportsbook. Use our promo code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to get a 50% welcome bonus using the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good evening, good afternoon, or good night, however and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast Live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is December 30th, 2022, our last Take It Easy podcast of 2022, wrapping up our fourth year here on the podcast, our fourth football season has come and gone, and I really appreciate all of you and your continued support of the show through all of these many thousands of podcasts that I just do kind of like a workout. You just 45 minutes a day, turn on the microphones, practice talking sports. It'll be a useful skill to have sometime down the road. And in the meantime, all of you who continue to support our dreams are incredibly, incredibly appreciated. Juju Talk Sports is joining us again on the show today. He and I do a bunch of fun YouTube content over on his channel. It's called the Slump Buster Podcast. It's on YouTube. A little bit confusing. There is a podcast version, but I think you should just follow the YouTube and you can get all of the content that you're looking for out of that channel. If you want to watch video segments of our college football playoff previews, you can check that out on the YouTube channel. It's available with the link in the description to this episode. Uh, Not the link that's Juju's name, that's to his Twitter account, but the one that says Slump Buster YouTube in in the description, it's a link. You can click on it. Fun stuff. So we're going to preview the two college football playoff games later on in the show. Uh, We're going to banter back and forth a little bit there. I'm going to talk a bit about college football playoff beforehand and since we are the foremost Kansas Jayhawks superfans and the podcast that most embraces the losers of college football, we can talk a little bit about what happened at the end of that Kansas-Arkansas bowl game, which was Kansas's first bowl game since the 2007 season. So 16 years without a bowl game. That's really hard to do. That's really really hard to do in college football. Kansas is the worst program in all of college football, but they made a bowl game this year, and it was kind of an interesting bowl game, so we'll talk about that 
in a little bit. Also, since this is our last show of 2022, there's just a shit ton of meaningless college football. It's not meaningless to the players who play it, but it's meaningless to me. So we're also going to have updates from uh, what game is on right now? The Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl. <laughs> I'll sprinkle in some updates there as 7-5 and five Syracuse takes on the Minnesota Golden Gophers and row the boat P.J. Fleck, who... Fun fact, if they win this game, P.J. Fleck is going to shove an oar up his asshole. Fun fact. Not making that up at all. So, Minnesota and Syracuse, it's 7-0. We can sprinkle in college football updates whenever we so choose. Um, Let's talk about TCU and Michigan. Pivoting from that image of P.J. Fleck being uh, an absolute insane person, uh, let's pivot to the college football playoff games, TCU and Michigan, the games that in the grand scheme of things have meaning because we've applied stakes to the situation. And You know, the thing I say about sports all the time is stakes and storylines are the thing that drives interest in the sport. And for college football bowl games, it's all about the storylines because the stakes are pretty low unless you're a fan base of the team or if you create stakes by gambling on it. I love the joke that ESPN owns a lot of these bowl games like the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, which Minnesota is leading 7-0 to in the second quarter against Syracuse. The ESPN owns a lot of these bowl games because 1.6 million people watch some of these bowl games at, well, on the West Coast at noon on a Thursday, people will watch Syracuse versus Minnesota play in the Bad Boy Mowers Pinstripe Bowl, 1.6 million viewers, 1.5 of which are creating stakes out of the game by gambling on it, another 100,000 are fans of either Syracuse or Minnesota, and people like me are doing it for podcast content. Now, I'm sure we don't occupy a gigantic space of the group as Minnesota's quarterback, who I don't think is Tanner Morgan anymore, completes a 15-yard out route. Um, I don't think very many people are similar to me, uh, but, oh, I guess, uh, well, I guess Tanner Morgan is still the quarterback at Minnesota. Wow, that he has been there a long-ass time. Tanner Morgan has been the quarterback at Minnesota since I was a freshman in college. Wow. He, he has been the quarterback there for a long time, but, uh, you know, the... College football bowl games, you can create stakes by gambling on it, but we're not big gamblers. If you are a big gambler, let me give you the lowdown on TCU in Michigan, which is TCU in Michigan, 57% of the bets are coming in on Michigan minus 7.5. This is according to our friends at Bet Online Sportsbook. And in the money line, Michigan is a minus 103, TCU is a plus 255, and the money is coming in even, 50% on Michigan, 50% on TCU. Now, it's a little bit misleading because they don't have even odds to win. If this were the money line, or I'm sorry, if this were the spread and not the money line, then this would be expected. Vegas wants to get equal betting on both sides so that they win either way. But in this case, they are having a slight lean towards Michigan. Uh, But because it's on the money line, if it's plus 305, or sorry, minus 305 in favor of Michigan and plus 255 in favor of TCU, it means that 50% of bets, Vegas getting equal money on both sides would be about 67% of the bets coming in on 
Michigan, somewhere between 67 and 70, if they wanted to get equal value on both sides. Because remember, if TCU wins outright and you bet $100 on that, you win 255 But if Michigan wins and you bet $100 on that, you win $32. So not equal in terms of what the payouts are. If Vegas wants to get even money on both sides, they would not set 50% of the bets on Michigan and 50% of the bets on TCU. So Vegas is betting Michigan's going to win. Are they going to win by eight points? Maybe. Maybe not. But they're going to win the game. Which, by the way, that's like a classic two versus three college football playoff matchup, or really a classic one versus four college football playoff matchup. Like last year, Cincinnati was a 14 point dog against Alabama. Last year, uh, two years before that, uh, Oklahoma was a 10 point underdog against that LSU team that put up 49 points in the first half. The Kyler Murray playoff year, the one versus four game, Clemson was a nine and a half point favorite. I did research on this. So this is a classic game. Like Clemson beat them by two scores. Uh, In 2019, LSU beat Oklahoma by 35. Last year, Alabama beat Cincinnati by 17. The year before that, when Alabama played Notre Dame in the college football playoff, and that was the best Alabama offense that has existed under Nick Saban with uh, Najee and Devonta Smith and... Uh, I believe that was um, I believe that was Jalen Waddle that season, and Jamison Williams was there. Alabama ended up beating Notre Dame by 14 points. The first drive of the game was incredibly predictable. The game was incredibly forgettable. TCU and Michigan kind of occupies the one versus four space. The first game, the the lesser of the games, which you know this is the lesser of the games because. This game starts at 1 o'clock West Coast time. It's played in Phoenix at the Fiesta Bowl. That game starts at 1 o'clock West Coast time. The second game, Ohio State and Georgia, that game starts at 8.30 on New Year's Eve, East Coast time in Atlanta. It would have made more sense for Ohio State and Georgia to play at 4.30, and then 5.30 on the West Coast would be the... Fiesta Bowl. But here's the thing because Georgia's the number one seed, they get regional preference for their college football playoff game. Georgia gets to play at the Georgia Dome because, you know, regional preference. And so, because Ohio State and Georgia is clearly the much better game, TCU and Michigan, despite the fact it makes no sense in the time, is going to be played at first. And the reason that's the case is. TCU and Michigan is the lesser of the games compared to Ohio State and Georgia. Ohio State-Georgia is going to do better ratings. Ohio State-Georgia is going to be the primetime game because it's a better matchup than TCU and Michigan. So rare is the situation where the two versus three game ends up being the, the first game and the one versus four matchup actually ends up being the better one. I think only that year that Alabama played Clemson in the one versus four game that was the year that uh kelly bryant was um was clemson's quarterback in between deshaun and in between well in between the sexual predator and in between trevor lawrence and clemson that year was the four seed or alabama was the four seed clemson was the one seed and alabama beat the shit out of clemson that that year was in prime time but i think every year for the other six years 
two versus three is the primetime game. One versus four is the is the first game, which is the lesser game on the schedule. Uh, so this year they flipped it around, the two versus three game, and Vegas is suggesting pretty clearly Michigan's going to win, which means Vegas is treating TCU the way that I've treated TCU this year, which is the same way we treated Cincinnati last year. TCU is basically Cincinnati, but in different colors. Max Duggan is like Desmond Ritter. They've got some NFL first-round picks on that team. They've won some bullshit games, and if they had just lost one of them, they wouldn't have made the playoff. TCU is pretty much the same team as Cincinnati from last year, and the reason it's only a 7.5-point spread instead of a 14-point spread is Michigan's not as good as last year's Alabama team, and that's okay. Michigan is still a really good team who's probably going to win this game pretty easily against TCU and make it to their first national championship game. Because remember, they didn't play national championship games the last time Michigan was in a position to win a national championship. So, the other side of the coin, Vegas is saying Ohio State might be able to pull off the upset because... Money line, Georgia is minus 265, Ohio State is plus 225, and currently 74% of the bets are coming in on Georgia, which means that Vegas is kind of saying we're playing, we're, we don't have a good feel about either team to win on the money line, so we're just going to take 50% of the value on Ohio State. 50% of the value on Georgia, and we're going to win either way. We don't really have a good feel about who's going to win outright. Then you get to the spread, which is really interesting because Georgia's a six and a half point favorite. They started as a seven and a half point favorite. Now they're down to six and a half. Georgia is getting 80% of the bets against the spread. And remember, this is a spread, so you want it to be 50 50 if you're going to get equal value. Vegas is saying, we feel supremely confident that Ohio State is going to cover the six and a half point spread, so much so that we are going to risk losing lots of money on a game a lot of people are going to bet on. We feel supremely confident that Ohio State is going to cover the six and a half point spread. Now, there's a difference between covering a touchdown spread and winning the game. That's kind of the territory that Vegas thinks this game is going to be in, which is Ohio State is definitely going to keep it within a touchdown. Who's going to win? We're not really sure. So we're going to take 50% of value on both sides and make sure that regardless of who wins, we're collecting value. And this is exactly what I had been saying all season until Ohio State got the shit beat out of them by Michigan, which is... Ohio State is the best chance anyone has to beat a Georgia team that has not lost a college football game in over two seasons. It's been over two seasons since Georgia lost a college football game. They lost to Alabama in 2021's SEC Championship. Georgia has gone undefeated for three consecutive seasons in the SEC. They lost to Florida during the pandemic 2020 season, won their final five conference games, and then ended up, Georgia ended up with an undefeated SEC season in 2021, undefeated SEC season in 2022. Georgia has lost three football games in the last three seasons. They are 
kind of in the 2012 Alabama territory, and Stetson Bennett might be a back-to-back national champion quarterback because Georgia lost five first-round picks on defense in the draft last year, and this year they're about to put four more players into the first round of the draft, including two players picked in the top 10 during the upcoming NFL draft. Georgia is the team that's collecting all of the five-star players and developing them into an inc- and putting them together into a defense that has players who are backups that are better than TCU's starters. If Georgia had matched up against TCU in this first playoff game, it would have been the same 14-point spread that we saw in Alabama and Cincinnati last year, that we saw when Clemson, well, it was 9.5, but the 9.5-point spread when Clemson played against Kyler Murray's Oklahoma. The 14, I think it was actually a 17-point spread when Alabama played Notre Dame in 2020. You would have seen that same point spread had Georgia played against TCU. The fact that Georgia is playing Ohio State in the semifinal and then theoretically would play Michigan in the championship game, which, you know, Georgia against Michigan, we saw that last year. Georgia beat the shit out of Michigan. This year's Michigan team is not quite as good as last year's Michigan team, but, you know, they're both really, really good. They're both going to run into Georgia, and George. this year's Georgia team is not as good as last year's Georgia team, so I don't even think it's a foregone conclusion that Georgia would beat Michigan. Georgia just has way more talent than Michigan does. It's not a it's not as much a gap as TCU versus Georgia, but it's still a gap between four-star Georgia as Michigan's last uh, nickname was last year. Michigan is four-star Georgia and Georgia is five-star Georgia. And so Georgia will be a 7-point favorite if they play Michigan, but they got to get there first and I think Ohio State poses a better threat to beating Georgia than Michigan does. And I think Vegas kind of agrees with me on that, which I think is really interesting. So if you're looking for stakes to add to this game, there's a little bit of a gambling preview for you. So that's your gambling preview for the college football playoff. You know, add some stakes to the game since the stakes are already high enough since it's, you know, up for a national championship and it's the two college football games that matter relative to the now... 14 to 0 lead that Minnesota has against Syracuse in the bad boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl. So, those are all the stakes you can add by gambling. Again, Vegas is pretty clear. Michigan's going to win that game. How many points? Could be more than 8. We don't really know. Could be 8, could be round 14, but Michigan's going to win rather handily. Ohio State Georgia, Ohio State's definitely going to cover the 7 point spread. Are they going to win the game? Vegas isn't sure. We'll all have to tune in to find out. Now, for some more X's and O's analysis of Ohio State, Georgia, and TCU, Michigan, let's welcome in our friend Juju Talk Sports from the Slump Buster YouTube channel to talk about the college football playoff. All right, Kyle, so you know how much of a fan I am of Jim Harbaugh. That's why I'm excited to see him once again in this year's college football playoffs. This year is the two seed, and going in is the favorite in their first-round matchup against the TCU Horn Frogs. This year's Cinderella story, still from a Power 5 conference, but we do know that the Big 12 is obviously diminished. TCU's been a great story in terms of uh, Max Duggan and Sonny Dykes in their first year together, putting it all together and Uh, nearly going undefeated, falling just short of that in the Big 12 championship game. 
I'm glad the college football playoff committee didn't punish them that for that, given that I think if they had a chance to do that over again, it would have been as simple as doing a quarterback sneak. Uh, TCU still number three seeds. Max Duggan still had an opportunity to go to the Heisman. If they would have won that game, who knows what could have happened between him and Caleb Williams. But Max Duggan falling short, too, in the Heisman race. But will they fall short against the Michigan Wolverines? What do you think of this game? Well, it's super cool that TCU's here uh, exhibiting the the standard fourth seed, uh, the team that we think of as always being the number four, whether it's in Oklahoma or a Cincinnati or a Notre Dame. That's kind of the role inhabited by TCU this year, which is a bunch of scrappy guys that have grinded it out and got an undefeated regular season, which uh, by virtue of a bunch of other teams losing like Tennessee and Clemson and Alabama allows them to make the college football playoff as the number three seed. I forgot USC in there too. USC, I think if uh, if USC had not shit the bed against Utah, TCU might have fallen to the four seed. But even still, uh, I think that TCU is kind of exhibiting that role this year, which is, like you said, it's it's a fun story. It's a team that we can all get behind because they went undefeated in what has been one of the most chaotic Big 12s of any season yeah. in recent memory. I just think it's going to be interesting to watch them get into this matchup because Michigan has the superior talent advantage. Michigan has uh, the superior coaching advantage. It will be very interesting to see how TCU puts this game together, uh, given that, like you said, they they have been a fun story of Max Duggan throw, chucking the ball all over the field and uh, their psychedelic frog has been delivering them magic. TCU's offense, they like to get it done with explosive plays. They lead the nation in 50-plus yard plays, whereas Michigan, we know they're more of a grinded-out team. They took a huge hit offensively with Blake Corum and his injury. Uh, Edwards has done just fine as their lead back, and they have enough talent offensively to still generate a rushing attack. I don't think they're going to lose a step that way. And against this TCU defense, I don't think they're going to have much of an issue. If you look at TCU across the board, their defense is somewhere in the 50s, 60th ranked in the nation. Uh, Their best game, their best performance came against, unfortunately, my Texas Longhorns, what they were able to do in Austin. But if you look throughout the year, they hadn't really had many performances like that defensively. And that may have just been worse offense from Texas more than great defense from TCU. You look at the last couple performances from Michigan, they have found a good stride offensively. Uh, How they kind of bounce back from a slow start in the Big Ten championship game against Purdue, and then starting off a little slow, but obviously figuring things out in that Ohio State game when you have talk about explosive plays. They had, what, three plays of 70-plus yards or something of that nature? Mm-hmm. J.J. McCarthy's going to be the big X factor for a lot of people. TCU has the advantage at quarterback. That's why I think that 7.5 for this game is not crazy. I don't think that this is David versus Goliath in terms of matchup. Between what I think of, like you mentioned, coaching advantage, Jim Harbaugh, and what I, how bad I know TCU's defense is, I think Michigan is uh, going to be my pick ultimately in deciding this. I, I, is there any other X factors I'm missing here that come to mind for you? Yes, because the talent discrepancy between these two teams is not as dramatic as, say, Ohio State playing against Michigan State or Michigan playing against insert Big Ten team that they beat on the way to going 12-0 and this season. Illinois, who they almost lost to. Um, Wisconsin, uh, I believe Penn State, they were losing and then kind of won by like 27 points at the end. It was, uh, it was kind of a weird game. But the talent discrepancy is not so far apart that 
the the great equalizer for TCU, despite the fact that, as you said, they have the 57th ranked defense in terms of scoring in college football this year. The great equalizer turnovers. If TCU gets at, say plus two on the turnover margin, or if it doesn't go that way, getting a bunch of sacks on JJ McCarthy, like I'm talking about like four or five types of sacks against JJ McCarthy. If you can get turnovers and sacks and win that advantage, that's a great equalizer when you have a defense that is significantly below where this Michigan defense is, both in terms of production and in talent. So turnovers are, are a big difference in the game. And if TCU is going to win that, which I think is actually a reasonable possibility, that's going to be part of the explanation as to why. J.J. McCarthy has to walk into this game with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder because if you look at the field of the college football playoffs, he's the only quarterback that wasn't on that Heisman stage. Uh, Duggan, <laughs> Stroud, Stetson Ertz, Bennett, <laughs> Stetson Bennett, all on that Heisman stage, and J.J. McCarthy on the outside looking in with his running back, Blake Quorum, if he stayed healthy, probably having a much better case of being on that stage than him. J.J.'s been getting better as the season's progressed, but... If I was him, I would go into this game and look at this as an opportunity to elevate himself if what people think about him. He's not better than Cade McNamara uh, and last year's team that we saw what happened to that offense that crumbled in the college football playoffs when they went against Georgia. This is the opportunity to prove it. Obviously, he is a better athlete than Cade was last year, and that's something that Michigan should be able to use to their advantage. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm going Michigan. One thing I noticed in the Big 12 championship game is that the TCU offensive line wasn't able to really protect uh, Duggan. I think Michigan is still going to be is going to be able to take advantage of that in a similar way to Kansas State. And uh, contrary to that, the running game for Michigan, I still think is going to translate because what Deuce Vaughn was able to do for Kansas State, I think Edwards will be able to replicate that level of production in this matchup as well because michigan has edwards and because michigan has a pretty healthy offensive line i don't think the loss of quorum is actually as devastating as people are making it out to be i think that he's the name that people recognize on that team other than mccarthy and so i think people are making it out to be a bigger deal than it is i don't actually think that it's going to be that significant of a problem for michigan it certainly doesn't help you'd like to have blake quorum i'm not saying that it's like going to be no different but it, it's not going to be a significant deterrent for michigan i am gonna go with you on the michigan pick but Damn it, if I am not so tempted to pick TCU, because I'm seeing it. I'm like, I can see the path to victory for TCU. I can see the game script working in their favor. And then I remind myself that a few years ago, I also picked the Packers to beat the 49ers in that NFC Championship game that they got absolutely smoked in, because I thought Alan Lazard was going to get 12 catches for 150 yards. So I'm going to take Michigan. All the probabilities are saying Michigan, but man, I'm so tempted to pick TCU. It's such a tempting upset pick, uh, but I I'm with you on the Wolverines getting the win. Jim wins the national championship this year. We're wearing khakis for a week. Anyway, guys, drop below in the comment section your opinions, your thoughts, your predictions on TCU versus Michigan. Maybe you already have your college football champion lined up in your predictions. We'd like to hear your thoughts. Leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on all our social medias from Juju and Kyle. Stay safe, happy, and healthy. We'll see you next time. My corn makes life looking up at this corn. 
He cussed, kicked the corn, saying, son, it's way too cold. Corn up in the city, the corn man corn lanes. But where I'm corn from, corn is a good thing. Corn makes corn, corn makes corn, yeah. Corn makes my baby feel a little corn, yeah. Bogging up my corn pile up in my truck We corn our honeys down We take them into corn Start washing all our corn down the drain Corn is a good thing Alright, so Let's talk about Kansas football Kansas football played a bowl game Now, like I said, normally it's a meaningless bowl game All these bowl games are pretty meaningless They're not meaningless for the people who play them, and they're not meaningless for the fans of the teams, but for someone like me who, you know, enjoys a a handful of college football games, but, you know, if there's nothing else to do, maybe I'll throw on the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl that is currently 14-0 Minnesota against Syracuse going to halftime, but at the same time, don't really care that much about bowl games and college football because I'd rather do other things with my life. I've already spent that time of my life really, really caring about bowl games and really watching a ton of college football. Now I'll watch it for the entertainment value, but I prefer to do other things like exercise and write a book and make podcasts and spend time with friends and spend time with family and have actual human interaction and human values. So, you know, college football bowl games are not as exciting as they once were for me, but when the Kansas Jayhawks are playing, that's a storyline to get invested in because anytime we talk about Kansas football, let's talk about why we love Kansas football so much. Number one, they beat Texas last year for their first conference win in in their first road conference win in 53 games. Just want to point that out there. 53 t- games Kansas lost on the road in conference over 13 years. How bad were those 13 years at Kansas? Let me tell you how bad those 13 years were at Kansas. So in 2007, Mark Mangino took Kansas to the Orange Bowl, which prompted the profile photo on Dan Lebitard's, uh, Dan Lebitard's Twitter account, which is Mark Mangino being more round than the Orange Bowl mascot. Just Google Dan Lebitard on Twitter and find his profile photo because it is Mark Mangino, former coach of the Kansas Jayhawks, being more round than the Orange Bowl mascot. So Mark Mangino ends up leaving the program in disgrace in 2009. They started 5-0, and and then they lose their last seven games of the season. Let me read you the next 13 seasons for Kansas. They finished 6th out of 6th place in the Big 12 North Division. They finished 6th out of 6th place in the Big 12 North Division. Big 12 realigns. They go down to 10 teams. They have no divisions anymore. So again, there are 10 teams in the Big 12. They go 10th, 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 9th, 10th, 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 10th place. That is 12 last place finishes, one ninth out of 10th place finish, which that year they only won one conference game. It was against Iowa State, the team that finished 10th. In the 13 years of Kansas football, they won a grand total of eight conference games. 
two of which happen to come against Texas, who has the second most money of any program in college football. They beat Texas twice. They beat Iowa State. They beat West Virginia. And they beat Texas Tech twice. Oklahoma almost lost to them in 2021. They had a lead in the fourth quarter. Then they gave it back because, again, 10th out of 10 in the Big 12. They have been worse than many FCS programs when they beat the University of South Dakota, which I will remind you is not even the good South Dakota. It's not. It's it's the second best South Dakota and the fourth best Dakota in FCS football. When they beat them 13-10, to 10, a game where Kansas was favored by five and a half, when they beat South Dakota 13 to 10, they stormed the field at Kansas's stadium. They stormed the field for not covering the spread against the fourth best team from the Dakotas. This team is really bad. They've gone through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven head coaches in those 13 seasons. They employed less miles. When Les Miles had all of the scandal going on at LSU, they employed Charlie Weiss after Charlie Weiss was fired at Notre Dame and still got paid by Notre Dame until 2021. Charlie Weiss, with a combined conference record at, in his time at Kansas of 2-25. and 25. The coach before him was named Turner Gill, 1-16. and 16. In his time at Kansas. This program is the worst in college football. And they brought in a guy named Lance Leopold. Who won a bunch of Division Three national championships. Then went to Buffalo. And turned Buffalo from last place into first place over seven seasons. Came on over to Kansas when Les Miles was fired in disgrace. A fitting and predictable ending to Les Miles coaching career. Leopold comes over, they go 2-10 and ten in his first season, but they get one victory on the road against Texas. Horns down, baby. The University of Kansas beat Texas, a loss that even though Texas will end up being better in the long run because they have infinite resources at their disposal, it's still absolutely hilarious. Hilarious that the University of Texas lost at home to the Kansas Jayhawks to snap a 53-game road conference losing streak. 53 goddamn games they had lost in a row on the road in conference. And Kansas, this year, we fell in love with them once again because they kept winning these bullshit one-score games against Duke and Northwestern, they started the year 5-0 and and then finished 1-7 and in true Kansas fashion because their quarterback got hurt and their defense was always terrible. They were just doing the Big 12 thing of scoring 40 points and giving up 30 points. But Kansas, after starting 5-0, and ended up making it to a bowl game at 6-6. Six and six. They snuck through the back door. They made it to one of these meaningless bowl games. For them, it happened to be the Liberty Bowl. And ultimately, they were ranked. They were ranked when they went 5-0. They beat Iowa State. They beat Duke. They won against Dana Holgerson's Houston. They won against West Virginia. They were ranked. 
19th in the country. College game day went to TCU. Or sorry, went to TCU versus Kansas. A game that was played on Fox Sports 1. College game day went to Kansas. And they lost to TCU. But they only lost to TCU by 7 points. It wasn't that big of a blowout. TCU, who's in the college football playoff, was almost beat by Kansas. So that Kansas could get to 6 wins. And they didn't get it then. They got smoked by Oklahoma. They got smoked by Baylor. But then they beat Oklahoma State. And that got them the bowl game. Did they win another game the rest of the season? No, they did not. But for a loser program like Kansas that won six conference games in 13 years to win three conference games this year was a massive accomplishment. They finished seventh in the Big 12 after 10th, 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 9th, 10th, 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 10th place in 12 seasons. They got a seventh place finish in the Big 12. They finished better than West Virginia. They finished better than Iowa State. And they finished with the same conference record as Oklahoma, who's going to get smoked by Florida State in a couple hours. Well, the game will be over by the time you're listening to this, but they're going to get smoked by Florida State in a bowl game. What The Kansas Jayhawks finished seventh place in the Big 12, and that is their best season in 15 years. And in their bowl game against Arkansas, they went down by 28 points, and they came all the way back in the Liberty Bowl to almost beat Arkansas. They had a two-point conversion in triple overtime to force the fourth overtime where the teams just have to keep going for alternating two-point conversions. They went to three overtimes. They were down 28 points. I flipped this game off because it was 38-10. to 10. Kansas charged all the way back to force overtime after being down by 28 points. And Kansas came through with a performance to remember. Are we going to remember anything else about this Kansas team? Probably not. But a 24, I said 28, 24-point comeback against the Arkansas Razorbacks will live in the lore of Kansas football, hopefully for many years to come. Hopefully this will not be the only bowl game that Kansas plays, but also for a team that celebrates losers 544 passing yards. They had a 10 to 1 passing to rushing ratio in this game. Meanwhile, Arkansas had 400 rushing yards against Kansas. Arkansas outrushed Kansas by 345 rushing yards in this game. Jesus Christ, that is not good. KJ Jefferson, the quarterback for Arkansas, had over 400 yards of combined offense and four touchdowns, two passing and two rushing touchdowns. Arkansas whooped, whooped Kansas's defense, as a lot of teams have done this year. There's no shame in getting whooped by Arkansas's defense, by getting your defense whooped Kansas, it happens, but to score the last 25 points of regulation, to storm back, to give us hope, to give us reason to believe in Kansas football once again, 
and even if they came up short, they delivered a game for the ages. So shout out to you loser Kansas Jayhawks. We love you, and we are so appreciative of the incredible thrill ride that you have brought us on throughout the 2022 season. Blake, Jude, and I both commend you for your efforts as you have been this podcast's favorite college football team going back to the very earliest days of the pandemic when Blake Jude and I were laughing about just how atrocious Kansas football has been and both of us were texting back and forth all season about the joys of watching Kansas football win those games and get college game day to go to Kansas and it's so fun when we embrace losers when losers have a bowl game for the first time in 15 years and they come back from 25 points down it gets people excited I've seen it with San Diego I've seen it here in Sacramento I root for a bunch of losers and so why not let the ultimate loser of Kansas have their day in the sun and that day was a 25 point comeback in a meaningless Liberty Bowl in a season where they finished technically eighth place in the Big 12 because they lost head-to-head against Oklahoma. Eighth place in the Big 12 will be a season to remember for the ages for the Kansas Jayhawks. Congratulations to them on making it to a bowl game and delivering a 25-point fourth-quarter comeback against Arkansas. Even if it ended in defeat in triple overtime, you gave us memories. To You gave me the best memory of bowl season. So congratulations to you losers. We love you and wish you all the best going forward. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We got episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up, sometimes on Sundays. You might get a Wired Up coming at you this week because of the college football playoff, or we might save it until Monday. We'll see what happens. In the meantime, take it easy, and we'll talk to you again sometime next week and sometime next year. Happy New Year, everybody.